Welcome to Belmont Banter, the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Every week we chat to ex-players, supporters and invited guests here on Belmont Banter. Welcome to the official podcast of Whitstable Town FC. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Belmont Banter. And this evening, well, we've got a friend of Whitstable Town on, Martin Mills. Now, Martin, as we were talking off air, I know very little about your football history, which you're going to enlighten us with shortly. But I really wanted to know, when did you very first get interested in football? How old were you? Oh, Tony, I was at primary school, so I should imagine it was about seven, seven or eight years of age. That was at Doddington Primary School. Some memories from that actually, uh, just to share with you that uh, I remember we played seven aside, and um, one Sunday afternoon we were due to play a game. But uh, the back of one of the, the school pitch, there was a house where the gentleman decided to light a bonfire, and uh, it, it was uh, pretty smoky, it was very foggy. And we had to play through the smoke that afternoon. I'll never forget it, it was, it was really you could hardly see one goal from the other. The other thing as well was the uh, headmaster of the school he used to put seven kids in his car to go to the next village or whatever to play uh, the, the school football match. Seven kids in the car wouldn't be allowed today, would it? No, it would not be allowed today. Good God. Yeah. That, no. that's first, that first sort of ignited my uh, interest and enjoyment from football. So Dollington, that's sitting ball more, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, it doesn't... Unfortunately, one of the schools that have shut down now because uh, you used to go to your local school whereas now you have choices yes um so you know it's uh, unfortunately shut down uh, what was your f- f- the first club that you sort of really played football for then apart from the school or did you progress to the school side i played for the school side um we didn't have any youth leagues in those days of course like now so you just played for your school i was just leaving school at 16 when a friend of mine at school said, oh, Faversham Town are, are doing trials. They're looking for youth and that sort of thing as well. So do you want to come along? I went, yeah, okay. So I went up to Faversham Town and the trials and uh, I got taken on. Faversham Town was my first club. Blimey. And that was what, 16? At 16, yeah. A guy called Tommy Coulter uh, ran, it was very well known in the Kent soccer circles, uh, ran Faversham Town then as manager. And um, 16 in the, in the first season, um, actually, I was lucky enough to get some first team games as well, mostly through injuries, but I played right back at the time. So I was the deputising now and um, quite an experience. Uh, but uh, one of the guys that joined just after I did, he was a, a more senior guy, was a guy called Derek Hales. Oh, blimey. Now, Not the, the old, Derek Hales. The Derek Hales. Wow. Yes, the older generation will probably know I'm talking about. The younger generation won't. Uh, won't have a clue. Derek, Derek uh, joined Faversham Town. He'd been released, I think, by Gillingham and Norwich. And he came to Faversham Town. as a bit of a stepping stone, really, because uh, you know he went on to play for Luton, uh, Charlton, Derby, West Ham. Famously falling out with Mick Flanagan on the pitch. Both getting sent off, his teammate. He was a bit of a beast, um, wasn't he? Yeah, Derek, Derek was very quick and he shot left foot and right, uh, right foot, uh, left and right foot, um, 
didn't worry too much about if hit the target or not. He was just keen to get his shot away. And that was, the, I, think, I think from memory, his debut, he came on at half-time. I wasn't playing in this game. He came on at half-time and scored a hat-trick in the second half. Right. And that's, that was his benchmark, really. And then, of course, then he went on to, to play league football for quite a few years. What sort of age was he then when he was with you at Farish? Um, I think he was about, about 19. Oh. Very hairy. Yeah. Uh, as you were in those days, yeah. quite yeah. shaggy hair. But he was yeah. hairy all over, you know, face beard and a whole lot but yes. uh, yeah see, yeah he had two brothers as well Ray and uh, Richard and they they were a pair as well because uh, Ray was a pretty quite a prolific goal scorer for Canterbury and Richard was uh, a character where uh, shall we say uncompromising centre half <laughs> don't don't look at him too long otherwise you <laughs> sorted out <laughs> but yeah they, they, were, they were interesting times um I remember Playing the first team game when um, there were some very good players there. I mean, I won't go through all the names, but a lot of them went on to play many games for clubs that by Kebs Fleet, etc. But uh, they looked after me when I first played. I remember this guy saying to me that uh, he would, in, I won't use the same words he used, but he was going to break my leg mm-hmm. in the game. But the, the lads sort of, they were man, quite, well, they were men really, yeah. I mean, and very good footballers, and they just looked after me, didn't, didn't let me worry about it at all. But those, those days were quite funny because um, uh, we used to have a groundsman called Frank and uh, um, he used to run, we used to have baths, we didn't have showers, we had baths. And yes. uh, uh, I remember coming off the, we used to train Tuesday nights and Thursday nights, two hours each night. And um, coming off those in the evening, seven till nine. And we couldn't find our way into the, through the across the dressing room because it was so steamy. But, so, you know, you got trouble finding your clothes. It was... Uh, um, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, and another one as well. Pre-season, pre-season run. Pre-season yeah. run. Yeah, seven miles. First session back. Where was that? All around the countryside. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. And one of the characters, um, he he used uh, Frank, the old groundsman, had a bike, and the bike disappeared, and um, so did the player. But he reappeared at strategic points. And uh, when we came back to the ground after this seven-mile run, and we were absolutely wasted, to be honest, um, he came in, jogged into the ground, and he looked quite fresh. fresh and we all knew the reason why. Yeah, you knew the reason <laughs> why, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the same player was in another game as well. He, um, he got injured, and they got the stretcher out and put him on the stretcher. And as they picked the stretcher up, the, the, the two poles came up, but the stretcher stayed on the ground. So that's a classic comedy yeah. moment. Yeah, he got up, he got, yeah, eventually got up and walked off. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, yeah, long, they, they were they were interesting days. How long did you start publishing for then? Um, I can't remember exactly how long. I mean, I think after a couple of seasons, we played. I played in the reserves and youth teams and some first team games, um, and then I went on loan to Ramsgate for a season with some of the other lads as well. We we, we young side. We had two. Two senior guys, Mick Williamson, that ran it, and Les True was a Scottish player, played quite a few games, but we played with the first teamers that came down. It was, it was the reserves, but it played in the old Kent League, and the old Kent League used to be very strong. Um, sides, wasn't they? Yeah, very strong sides, very good players. So, um, played in that and uh, gained a lot of experience from it. So, then I went back to Faversham again. Um, I think Tommy Coulter had left by then. I th- actually, there might have been 
who was running it then? Might be Peter Larriman, Carl yeah. Larriman's dad, yeah. um, or Bill Davis. I'm not too sure um, who came from Hythe, but uh, yeah, it was um, interesting sort of road. That that time I went back, um, they left the old Kent League and gone into the higher league, so it was more travelling. That would have been and, the uh, old Southern League then. Uh, yeah, Southern League or Athenian League, Metropolitan Leagues, and yeah. all sorts like yeah. that, really. Yeah. I mean, I remember the travelling was pretty horrendous. We used to have a, a beaten-up old bus. Um, we used to leave at 9 o'clock in the morning to go to somewhere like Aylesbury. Yeah. Um, this is before the M25 was fully opened, and uh, it took five hours to get there, to play the football match, and then five hours to get home. So you got home about 11 o'clock at night. Yes. Uh, and that was exhausting, and that that really sort of pushed me away from playing for Faversham to a degree, um, because it was just it's just getting uh, ridiculous yeah. travelling. I mean, I, I knew you no, know, I wasn't good enough to make it pro or anything like that at all. Uh, so I wanted to enjoy my football. Um, so I came out of that league, and um, uh, that's basically I think when I went on to. Onto Whitstable, but if I mean on the on the on the travelling side of it though, it was um, we, we had Dave Gillam's dad, Harry, mm-hmm. um, bless him. He was a real character, a bit like Gilly is anyway. But it must be in the blood. They're it must be, yeah. But Harry used to have. The, I think it was. I think it was a banjo. I might, might, the actual instrument might be uh, incorrect, but it was like a little banjo anyway. And he was a bit of an entertainer. So he got he gets on the bus with the banjo, and um, off we go to the match. And after the match, we're on our way home. And invariably, there's always a pub stop on the way home. Anyway, Harry's got the, the banjo thing out and he's playing songs in there. We were singing Roll Out the Barrel, etc. You know, all the classics. Yeah, all the classics. And yeah. uh, put up this pub. And uh, God knows where it was, but it was quite quiet outside. So, you know, there's like, like 20 odd people get off this bus, men get off this bus, players and staff, and etc. And we go into this pub where uh, there was intimate conversations taking place and it was quite quiet and and uh, and homely we all come piling in so they all look around and say what the hell is happening here <laughs> so anyway we get our drinks and conversation is a bit louder because we're all in there and yes. uh, then harry gets his banjo and he, he starts plunking the strings and off we go we start singing in this quiet pub well Honestly, Tony, it wasn't long before all those people in the intimate conversations that were actually singing as well. Yeah, okay, the whole pub was singing. That's that's the magic that Harry had, yeah. and um, it was uh, fantastic. And when we actually were leaving, they didn't want us to go. It was quite oh, amazing. Oh, fantastic. But yeah, it was um, it, it was it was great to some characters. You're talking about the uh, the old Kent League that was. I mean, you had really good sides in there, like Snowden. And- and you know, almost ones that are, are not around anymore. Unbelievable, wasn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, Snowden. I think um, w- when I started playing, it was the Chathams, the Sheppies, Sittingbournes, yes. etc. That had the players. They used to sort of almost go from club to club each season, almost really. But I mean, I could I, I could roll off quite a few names, but it, it, it'd be disservice to the ones that I I wouldn't name. But they they were. God, it was it was strong, it was very strong. They used to play a lot of football, switch the ball around, big uncompromising people, but they could all play football, you know. Um, and uh, uh, I mean, I actually, felt, I mean, I, I talked to Jason Lillis and uh, discovered that actually I used to play against his father, Alan, who was a very good player. Yeah. 
yeah. very good player, big uh, centre half. Uh, the boy, before, yeah. he could play football, and yeah. as a lot of them could. I mean, I think there's, I think personally, what I see today uh, compared to what I played in, I think the football was pretty better in the, back in the day. Uh, it was, it was, it was a real struggle sometimes to yes. to, to contain them. But uh, yes, it was. Uh, they were the, the biggest size, I suppose, really. And the, I mean, the gates used to get. A bit like, you know, coming back now in a way, really, with the Herm Bay and Wichita Balls and Fabishams and that. But we used to get regular 500 to 1,000 plus yeah. playing in front of those. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, playing over at Sheffield in a midweek game where they're kicking the tin behind the goals in the old Botany Road ground. It doesn't exist now. Yeah. Shouting out abuse. They were going to win the league one year. Uh, I played over there and uh, for Wichita Ball. And uh, we were right under the cosh all evening. And he managed to get a breakaway goal and beat one nil. I think it made the trade a bit quieter, but yeah, uh, I bet it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who was the manager at Whistle when you played then? Well, I first joined. Well, I mean, Charlie Ridge actually got me involved with Whistle Ball. He saw me playing in a on a Sunday morning in a um, a game and um, at Whistle Ball actually, and he said to me about what was I doing, and I said, well, uh, I, I actually walked out. And Faversham and I was just kicking the things around a little bit. So he said, no, come down to Whitstable. So Peter Merrick, this was um, about halfway through the season. Peter Merrick was um, uh, running the side then. Great bloke, Peter. Nice man, nice man. Lo- lovely guy. And um, so I played the rest of the season there. And uh, the following season, that's when Bill Craig and Chrissy Weather took over um, and brought um, people into the club like Andy Leach and uh, Clive Hickson. Peter Ambler, Steve Wadhams, uh, etc., and Jerry Allen, Allen uh, joined the club that season as well. Trevor Gowan uh, was a brilliant centre half. Uh, Trevor um, was there, and, and he, so he added to the team that was already there, and becoming uh, quite a young team. So that was that was uh, the first season that Billy Craig and Chrissy Weller took over. Were you still playing? At, did you say right back? No, I was. I went there as right back. Start off with and. Uh, but they, Clive Hickson was going to play right back, and he was amazingly quick. He was a Kent Sprint champion or whatever. You know, it's a, I was quite quick, but it was like a rocket. Yeah. Um, but things weren't quite working out, and I said to them, I, I had played centre-half, well, centre-back. I used to play like a sweeper role quite often, but centre-back down at, on the Ramsgate on loan in the Kent League, and I did OK. I did pretty good, actually. But uh, So I said to them, look, I said, why don't I can, I was, it was pre-season, I've been injured because of the road running, etc., which always used to do me in. So used to, I said to them, why don't you let me play centre-back with Trevor and put Clive right back and see how that works out? And they went, OK, we'll try that. And that was the beginning of Trevor and my relationship, really, because we just had a, we just got on so well on the pitch, well, off the pitch as well, really, but uh, it worked really well for us. And Clive was just up and down that line, the, the modern sort of fallback they talk about. Well, he yeah. was he was there already. He was so quick. He could get up the line, but get back again to, to defend. So playing like a wing-back, really? Yeah, well, we, well, we were all overlapping backs then, really, because it's, yeah. it's changed somewhat. Football football goes around in cycles, but uh, I think um, they all take back new ideas, but the ideas have been used before. Yes. But I mean, I first started playing as right back. I used to be overlapping right back, so... We, I'll try and get the boys, when I talk to them now, when I do the coaching, is to understand that, you know, I think going too high too early is, is you can be picked up by the defenders a bit easier because yes. they know you're there. 
But when there's a space in front of you because the play's on the left, for example, yeah. and the, you know the space in front of you, you know the boys are going to switch it across, you're ready. The ball comes into this space, you can really get onto it. And Clive was classic at that as well because of his pace. And we could really motor on, get up to the edge of the penalty box. And we were always encouraged to, to actually like, get up around to the box and, and can you get a shot or a cross or a good pass in to create an opportunity? Um, and uh, say Clive was so quick anyway that, uh, and I say just just fitted in like that. And that's how it worked out in that first season with Billy Craig. Well, you just um, hit on something there that I don't think a lot of coaches get into players enough about, and that's one simple word: it's anticipation. If you're a good player and you anticipate where the ball's going to go, because if it goes in a certain direction, you've played football long enough, you know where the ball's going to go next. And if they anticipate, you know, that that gives them, a, you know, not only a, a second head start, a couple of yards. It, it is. I mean, there's, I'm, I'm banging on quite often about scanning and getting your, your pictures. Uh, I'll get bored. I probably get boring to the players about it, but it's so important to actually know what's going on around you. Yes. And um, I, I was, I was, I, I was, although I lacked in many areas um, compared to some of the boys, like ability wise, and that's really well. I, I had one of the things I had was I was able to read the game. Yes. So I could see what was going to happen before it actually happened. Yeah. No. Nine times out of ten, I was pretty right. Uh, but I could read the body language as well. Looking back now, I didn't really consciously realise at the time, but that's no, what I could do. Just happens, so, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I could of, often be driving across the, you know, playing centre back as a as a as a behind Trevor, who used to win all the balls in the air. Although he's only five foot ten, but his his spring was incredible. I think he came from Southampton as a centre forward, actually, you know, playing centre half, but. Uh, um, I was able to to switch around and cover the other side, the other inside the fullback side, etc. Yes. Um, I was on the way there when the ball was travelling, or just as it was about to travel, so I could read that. So yes. it wasn't many times I got caught out, which I did, but uh, it wasn't too many. Yeah, that's what I was just saying. Anticipation. You yeah. you, you knew, and especially when you you've got a good relationship like you had. With your fellow player, you knew because you played with him long enough, you knew what he was going to do. Yeah, yeah. Tre Trevor, I mean, uh, and I always used to drop for him just in case the ball got flipped on. Didn't happen very often, but just yeah. in case. Just in case, yeah. Uh, but yeah, anticipation, it's too, too many times they play by reaction. Yes. Uh, they ball watch and they see what's going to happen, then they react to what has happened yeah. rather than try and make something happen by anticipating what's going to happen and get into position. To affect it, affect the game. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And a classic case in point of that is when you've got a big lad up front. Let's use the uh, Peter Crouch perhaps as a, a prime example. Peter's going to win almost every single ball in the air, and you've just got to know where it's going to drop. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the the uh, uh, if you've got a big lad up front, I mean, we used to have a, a lad that played uh, for a while at Whitstable with during the in these thing. Richard Max did Richard. Yeah, no, big lad. yeah, yeah, big lad. You know, he didn't have a lot of pace, Richard. But I tell you, you could you could really ping the ball into Richard, and his touch was good. He could hold it up with his physique, hold people off. He could lay it back, and people could run beyond. So they called it up, back, and through. Yeah, um, could, they could run beyond, and uh, it was really effective. I remember, say, Tommy Coulter was really well respected in the in the county scene. He he went on and um, went to Dover. 
and it was Dover beat Colchester for one, I think it was in the FA Cup when Colchester were a decent side, you know, a good side and league side. Yeah. Um, but Tommy Coulter, he he, he uh, was, uh, you know, he used to look at the the teams and and sort of look at the way we played, and he said that Whitstable at the time were one of the best footballing sides in the Kent League. Yeah. We didn't win the titles or anything like that because we weren't as strong as the other sides, but uh, we used to play some neat, tidy football. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you're, you're what a good uh, analogy to come out with because saying that you didn't, you know, didn't win the league. I think years and years went past before we, we won the league. A few we, we did win, win it a couple of times, but back then you had to be invited to get promotion, didn't you? You didn't, you didn't win the league and automatically go out. That didn't happen, did it? No, no, it wasn't the same structure as it is now. It wasn't the same coaching either. I mean, we weren't coached like we try and coach now. Uh, you had to, had to. Uh, work things out yourself, which I'm, I'm quite an advocate for as well. Really, I can't, you know, you can tell so much to some people, but yes. when we get on the pitch, you've got to work it out yourself sometimes, yes. which is why I, th I think uh, it's good to have, like in reserve sides, etc. good to have some senior guys in there to, to coach on the pitch as they're playing, you know, whether they're coming back from injury or they're just getting some form together. Uh, but it, I think that makes a huge difference to, to these players. But... Uh, um, I say it's changed dramatically over the years, football really, although the, the principles of football are still the same. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. Did you move on any further from Whitstable or did you stay with Whitstable for a while? No, I stayed there quite a few years and actually I ended up getting a testimonial with Trevor. Uh, I got my first golf clubs from the club, really. <laughs> so I've been there for quite some time. But uh, no, we went through, you know, we had... We had uh, Billy Craig and Chris running the side for several years. We had Dave McFall, who was a, um, I don't know if you knew Dave, did you? Yes, I did know Dave. Yeah, Dave, what a character. Yeah, uh, I, I can picture him now in his cat, um, his, his jacket, yes. his brown brogues, the racing post in his back yes. pocket. <laughs> and that red, red sort of face with the eyebrows yeah. up in the air. Yes, I know. And uh, telling a joke who... He could tell he could tell the worst joke in the world, but yeah, make you laugh. Make you laugh, yeah. Yeah, he, absolutely. He called everyone's son, didn't he? I've said, yeah, come, I know. come here, boy. Uh, come here, son. I, come I, gotta here, son yeah. you, I gotta tell you something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he called but, yeah. he called me in the high street one day. He's and he always used to call me Rousey. Rousey, come here, boy. I wanna tell you something. I wanna tell you. I said, Dave, Dave, I'm out with a family. I don't care about that. Come here. Come yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was a brilliant guy. It was yeah. a lot of good guys i mean bruce smith and connie yes uh, were around then as lovely well people, um, lovely people. yeah yeah they were but um yeah we went to i think it was um 78 when we went through the kent senior trophy um against Faversham, yeah which we lost one nil um but that was a, a game which i remember well uh, I, um trevor trevor gowan and peter ambler collided to a ball in the air i think peter had a peter had a um, something in his mouth it was like a, a metal brace or something like oh, that right, which yeah. actually cut trevor's head open oh, my God. so they bandaged trevor's head and uh, trevor was a very clean header of the ball he used to snap his forehead you could really hear it snap the forehead yeah. well with the bandage around his head every time there was a white football all white and every time he headed the ball the football had a red spot on it oh, my goodness, i'm talking man. about not just a little spot quite that, a large spot. spot yeah yeah and this is before half time, and in, during the, uh, 
first part of the second half as well. And as the ball rolled, it looked like it was out of shape because of the red spots, etc. Really weird. I mean, again, today, you wouldn't be able to do that because no, it's no. blood on the ball, blood That's on the true. shirt, blood yeah. on the headband, blood everything. Yeah. Uh, and eventually, it took Trevor off. Um, and um, we, we, they, we conceded not long after Trevor had gone off. I think, I think Dave Gillam actually scored the winning goal that day. Um, but, uh, but Trevor, bless him, he was pretty ill after that for, for quite a few weeks. Um, but yeah, that's the final we all, all remember. But we lost one nil that. Then we got through a couple of years later, I think it was, to the Kent League Cup final against Chatham yeah. at the old ball lane um, ground in Sittingbourne. And that was quite a, a famous game for quite a while because uh, we, up against Chatham, who had some, you know, they were one of the strongest sides in the Kent League. I think they might have even been champions that year. Yeah. Did you go, Tony? I talk, I can't remember. Oh, I, I, you know, you, you're talking about it now, and it's sort of coming back to my memory now. Yeah. yeah, we went, we went there and turned up, um, and we were being outplayed. We were two 0 down. We pulled it back to two one. Then it went to three one, and I think it was five minutes from the end we were losing three one. Then we managed to get another goal back, and then we, I think it was Jerry actually equalised in virtually the last minute, make wow. it three all. I th apparently Radio Kent had said with the 3-1 score at the time, they said it's all over here at the ball ground. Chatham are just, you know, running the time down really yeah. to clinch the final. Anyway, 3 all, and then we went into extra time and uh, dear old Stevie Wadhams, the ball came across and uh, he just rose like a salmon, proverbial salmon, nodded it home, we won 4-3. It was a major shock, yeah. uh, but it was a brilliant, brilliant day. You know, it was so good for the Whitstable club that hadn't won anything for Absolutely. donkey's years to actually Absolutely. come up with a with a victory. Absolutely. Now you just mentioned Chatham. I think along with Deal, apart from Deal winning the Vars, which they did, and they had a period then when they won the league a couple of times. But they, Chatham and Deal, to my mind, both at the time had a team good enough to play at a different level, but they never got they never got there. It's crazy, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, say back in the day, again, the Kent League, well, there was a lot of players there that had league experience. Yeah. A lot of them went on. I mean, uh, in the course of my time, I played against Ian Wright when he was at Greenwich, but also when he was at Crystal Palace. We played him in a friendly. Yeah. Uh, Ian Wright at Crystal Palace and Arsenal in England, of course. Yeah. Um, Tony Cascarino. He, yeah, he went to Gillingham, then Mill, Weston Villa, Celtic, Chelsea, Marseille, and um, uh, Republic of Ireland. I think he got 88 caps through yeah. Republic of Ireland. I never would have thought it happened because when I played against him, he was a big lad yeah. and strong in the air. He somehow used to manage to, when he get his arms out, he used to hold you off somehow, but uh, he had a bit of a left foot from memory. Steve Bruce, he was at Gillingham at the time, played yes. against Steve. He liked to tackle. Um, that's before you went to when he, when he made his debut for Julian, he played midfield and he was a good holding midfield player too. I was going to watch him in midweek games. Um, and that's when we went to Norwich and he went on to Manchester United, of course. Um, John Bartley now isn't a name which probably people won't know. John Bartley, he was a forward, um, prolific forward. We, against him, we had Welling several years in the trot and I had to man mark John. Um, and I looked him up actually before I knew I was going to talk to you. I looked him up just to see because I know he's prolific. I'll just give you a couple of figures, Tony. Yeah. This guy, 
Um, he played for Welling in 326 games. He scored 450 goals. How many? 450. In how many games? 326. My so goodness he, he, me. he goes to Millwall. He goes to Millwall. And I see him up at Gillingham score against Gillingham. But he played 40 games in Millwall and scored eight goals. But obviously it wasn't good enough. Uh, so he went to Maidstone and in 98 games he scored 72 goals. Goodness me. Now that, that boy would probably be would have played nowadays, we'd be playing regular league football. Oh, but without I a mean, doubt. Ah, uh, incredible. Another guy as well, Mark Smokey Gall. Mark was a very quick and he used to hiss a little bit when he ran. He's sort of like a piston almost, really. But you give him a bit of space or you were, you played a bit of a high line, you were playing with danger. And Mark scored a lot of goals for Greenwich and he went to Maidstone. And he scored, I think, was it 133 games, 71 goals, something like that. He went to Brighton and he was player of the year at Brighton one year, but unfortunately he did his knee in and it ended his career, apparently. But, uh, he was a handful. But, you know, all those guys, there was a local guy that was probably one of the best I played against. That was Ernie Batten. Ernie at uh, Sheerness now, yeah. Yeah, Sheppy, I think he owns or runs the club or whatever. I yeah, think he's does, managing yeah. now as well. But Ernie, I haven't spoken to him for donkey's years. He probably wouldn't know even who the hell I am. But um, I used to have to man mark him as well. And um, his movement and his touch was absolutely outstanding. And he, he did me one in one game. I think it's the only goal he scored against me, I think, from memory, where he, he moved away, then came back. He knew what he was going to do. I had to react to him uh, in a way, really, because I, I was close to him. He just got a yard on me, and it was enough to score the goal. Uh, but he was he was so good, Bernie. Uh, a lot of respect for him. But I say, back in the Kent League days, there was a, a lot of ex-league players playing. I don't think there's so many nowadays, whether they... They made too much money or they can't be bothered or what. I mean, again, another quick story, Tony. When I was about six, 17, 16, 17, we played for Faversham uh, Reserves. We went up to Mottsburg Park to play this team and out trot trotted this guy with a knee bandage around his left knee, which was buckled slightly inwards. And he looked to us as 16-year-olds old. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, the boys that I played right back, the boys are playing in midfield, looking at each other, thinking like, well, what is this about? You know, this would be like easy. So um, the game kicks off and this guy with one leg virtually runs the game from the centre of the pitch. The ball comes into me, touches it and it goes out the other side, left foot, right foot. It was amazing. So I had to know this. I had not got the guy's name. <coughs> anyway, I was on a coaching course and Clive Walker was one of the tutors and I was telling him about this and he said what was that guy's name so I told him and he said what he said, well, that guy he played for Millwall and Ipswich 360 odd games something like that um, he was a serious he was a seriously good pro apparently and he, he certainly showed the boys up I mean we 16 17 18 year olds up for a for uh, ability-wise, it shows you the difference yeah. in the standards. Those days like that, you don't come across those people very often no, now. No, you don't, do you? Not No, it's all. a shame. It's a shame, really, because they, you know, when they come out of the league, their sort of qualities and their, their gifts of ability, again, I, went, I say, I remember playing at Crystal Palace and uh, we held them nil-nil at half-time in this, in this friendly. It wasn't as much friendly, actually. They just signed this guy called Taylor. I think it was with a hundred thousand quid, which was quite a lot of money in those days. <laughs> he was giving them a right rollicking to the middle of the pitch. Um, held them to nil-nil. And anyway, 
we changed the team around a little bit. It was, a, it was a, I think it was a centenary game at which the ball. And the second half, they put five past us. Uh, but one of them, the Tottenham trialist, was uh, he put one from about 30 yards in the top corner, and it was what a magnificent shot. But they started to show the difference in the touch, the movement. Yeah. Um, you know, they people think the game is fast, so you've got to run fast and kick the ball quick. And in actual fact, I tried to explain to the lads that I coach is that it's not how fast, they're not all you same bolt. They actually, they're fast in their brain because they've yes. got the picture of what they're going to do before they get the ball. Goes back it's to that gone. anticipation again. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a makes a huge difference. And these these guys, you know, it's like you play, they're playing two touch, three touch, and it's not they know exactly where they're going to go, and they've got options because people move into that sort of space. And that when you play against people like this, it really. Uh, I remember playing up at Bromley one night as well, um, and they they were. A really good side as they are now, anyway. But they they used to knock the ball all over the place, and it was like they used to pull you, pull you out. We lost three 0 that night. Ran us ragged, created holes all over the place. It was a real job. But you know what? When we went to play the next league game, because it was a friendly that night, we went to play the league game the following weekend. Mm. We played really well because we learned from what we played against that that yeah. midweek game. You had to you had to raise your game because you were playing against good opposition. Opposition and the following week, yeah, I get what you're saying. Really makes yeah. a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, really does. Yeah. When did you actually finish your playing career as such? Then I was 34 at the time. I packed up. Um, I, people kept saying to me you could carry on, but I just really had enough because I mean, throughout throughout my career, I mean, I first started 16 years of age back at Faversham. We trained twice a week on. Tuesday and Thursday nights for two hours each night. And a lot of it was running on Tuesday. You didn't really yeah. see the ball. Yeah. You might have seen the ball on Thursday if you were good. If you were lucky. And then, but being a young lad, I wasn't on contract. I played Saturday afternoons for the reserves, occasionally for the first team, about 10 games the first season. But I played Sunday mornings with my mates. And in the afternoon, I played youth games. So I had three games a weekend. Yes. Yeah, and they weren't, they weren't on small pitches and they weren't uh, reduced in time. They're all 90 minutes. Yeah. I mean, so small pitches I, weren't, were they? No, no, no small pitches, no reduced times, no 45 minutes or things like that, no total game, 50 minutes or yeah. anything like that. It was 90. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, 16, 17, 18, I did that. I, I enjoyed it. You know, yeah. Tommy Coulter said to me, you're going to burn yourself out. And he was absolutely right. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. But uh, as you go through the years, you get older and older, it comes a bit, you know, I just had enough, really. So, when did your uh, first coaching um, position come I up? Put, How did that come about? Uh, well, I've got a son and he started playing football at T Tankerton. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, the, 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 the coach, I'm going to say what I'll, I'll say to a degree, but I don't want to be too derogatory about him, but he, was, um, he wasn't particularly experienced. Like, for example, in one particular game, my son, who was probably about seven or eight, um, he put him starting on, it was, I think they used to be 20 minutes each way, the games. Yeah. And he started him for three minutes, took him off. Three minutes? Three minutes. And then took him off. And then a minute before half time, he put him on. And he took him off at half time and he put him on for another two minutes in the second half. Oh, and that was it in the game. And uh, um, I wasn't particularly happy about it. So I thought, well, you know, I'm not. It, it was a case of like, how's a boy going to develop? Yeah, how's he going to Like that, you know. So. And, and just before half time, when he got coming for the minute, he, he burst into tears. So I thought, well, I, 
not, not enjoy this. So anyway, I spoke to a couple of other parents. They asked me what was wrong with me because some of them knew I used to play anyway. I said, what's up? And I sort of said to them about it. And I said, well, I might as well look for a different club, really, so they can get some actual football and enjoy himself. Anyway, I went on a, a, a tour, a, sorry, cruise to the Caribbean at, mm -hmm. at Queen's Christmas. I came back, in, that was typically in the 2010, and uh, I got a message to say that you're on a level two course in February, you've got to attend it. I went, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because they, they sacked the coach. Oh, right. So anyway, I went on that, that started my, my interest, you know. I hadn't really thought about it, to be quite honest, but um, I, I found it really interesting. That, that was when Clive Walker and, and Alan Walker, yeah. another great guy as well, um, took the took the course and um, I did my youth um, you know, level badges as well yes. uh, and I sort of progressed on from there and I took the A for B several years ago which wasn't a great experience because it was so I don't like attitudes to a degree you know bad attitudes and egotistical people and I find a lot of that in football yeah people that know it all etc and uh, I'll be fairly careful what I'm going to say here because some yes. people <laughs> might listen to this but that mentioning names, but some of them were really made it difficult yes. and contradictory. You know, it, it was it was like uh, they the only ones that knew anything about it. Actually, yeah. I think they, I think the FA to a degree, are ones that they change their mind about every two years how they're going to do something, and it's their way or no way almost. Yes. Now, and there's many many ways of coaching um, football. There's many ways of playing football as well. Yeah. That they were. I remember doing a session on the, on the V course, and uh, actually, uh, um, I got, got these sessions through uh, from League Managers Association. Yeah. So I get like five a month. And this particular one I had to do was perfect because one of these sessions came through. So I copied it area wise, everything, and I just put it on. And uh, the, the guy that was taking me, he, he said afterwards, he said, Probably your session's too small. I went, too small I said yeah I said well the guy I can't remember who it was now did it but it was a, it was a professional manager yeah. in the football league it might, might have been Birmingham's manager I can't remember who it was at the time now but I said um, this was done by professional with these dimensions and he went no nah, don't believe you it was like that really oh, and I God. thought well you know there you go, there you go. but uh, it was it was um, okay I got through and um, and I, I enjoyed the coaching side of it I think uh um, I always say to the lads that uh, I'm coaching, you know, um, always do the best you can, be the best you can, and push yourself as far as you can. So you're going to hit a ceiling somewhere, but and enjoy it as well. Because, you know, Tony, talking to you, I can remember vividly many games, situations in games, people, I can even smell the smoke from the games and hear the people calling me all sorts of names, animal and things like that, because I had to become very aggressive to stay in the side. Um, I watched Andy Leach the way he played it was like you know he didn't take any prisoners and they loved him the, the management um, and I got dropped for about a month and I started doing what he did and bingo I was back in the team and never got dropped again yeah. but it's you know the, the, the abuse you get and that sort of thing as well but you know um, I really enjoyed it and I can remember many 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 games and situations but if you ask me about work that week I'd have no idea what I did isn't it strange? Sport gives you memories. Isn't it strange that that happens? Yeah. It really is. I mean, this is why I love what I'm doing here for the club. 
you know, talking to people like you, that all of a sudden your memory unlocks and it brings yeah. brings back memories for me. All the names yeah. you mentioned, the players, the managers. Yeah. Did you ever have you ever managed a side? Um, I knew I knew which were reserves for a little while. No, actually, for two, I did uh, Canterbury University, Christchurch University. I was coaching at uh, for about four or five years. Uh, they they wanted to start a Saturday side, so I managed that for a, a first season. I think it was, and I went to Whitstable to help out Whitstable reserves, I should say, down there. Yeah. And then and the, the guy a guy got sacked, so I had to take a Joe Brownette. I'll tell you a story about Joe Brownett in a minute, but Joe Brownett sort of said, um, uh, can you take it? Otherwise, we'll be fine heavily. So I took it on and ran it. But uh, it's difficult when you get Friday nights and Saturday mornings and uh, people calling you saying, I can't make it. You know, oh, it's, yeah. we've, got, we've got a minibus leaving the Whitstable ground at half past 11. So please be there by 11.15. Yeah. And at 11.25, you get a message, I don't feel too good. Can't make it. It drove me absolutely crackers. But back to Joe, just triggered yeah. enough another memory. Joe Brownett, I played down at Herne Bay, I think for Whitstable, and uh, an old guy from Faversham Town, Jeff Stone, and I came to blows in the middle of the pitch water. It wasn't blows, he punched me as he went past me. And um, I turned around, you know, that Dave McFall, Billy Bremner picture? Well, I got Jeff Stone by the neck, you know, his shirt. Yeah. And I was standing there pointing to him, and I was saying things to him, don't you ever do that again, yeah. to words to that effect. And the referee sent me off, and he also sent Jeff off as well. But when I walked with the pitch at Herne Bay, they used to have two two swing doors with with uh, um, frosty glass in. Yeah. Um, and I I went through this door to the changing room, and I slammed this door behind me. Bang! As it shut, all the glass fell out. Oh, absolutely nice. shattered. The ground went totally quiet. Anyway, Joe, bless him, he came up to me after the game. I sort of said, I'm very sorry, I'll, I'll pay for that. And he went, no, don't worry, Martin, leave it. And um, that's, when I, that's when I first got to know Joe. Yeah, Next thing though, another story about Joe, He a few years later, he's at Herne Bay, and um, he's uh, put money into the Herne Bay. So yes, right. he, he and Dave McFall come around my home in Faversham and sit there in the lounge, and they offer me 50 quid a game to go down to Herne Bay. 50 quid a game. And I was only earning just over 100, about 130 pound a week then, Tony. Yeah. 50 pound a week. But I said no, because I like playing at Whitstable. It was more about that. Although Jerry went, yeah. um, uh, and a few others went down there. Yeah. But um, um, yeah, and you know, just a, a few years back before the lockdown, I was talking to Joe again on the touchline at Whitstable one evening, I think it was. And I said, Joe, I said, what do you think? About football today he went oh martin he said oh it's it's all about money yeah, it is, he said they it? all want money and i, I thought i chuckled myself and i thought yeah. joe you were yeah, you were yeah, at it before yeah, and you did it before yeah well, yeah but, yes. yeah i know but we, it, it is. you know it evolves everyone moves on i mean the money going around now for some of the players is crazy Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, they, they can pay their mortgage from playing yeah. football. You know, I mean, we uh, going back to Whitstable going that they didn't play. They didn't pay um, very well, really, particularly. But you know, we might have got 25, 30 quid, something like that. But what we used to do was go straight in the bar and put it behind the bar anyway. Yeah, that's very true. Um, you know, so it went back in the club anyway. So basically, they were giving us some more or less free drink. But uh, it's the same story uh, that Jerry tells and all the boys say exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, but we just just love playing together. I mean, Whitstable, the team, we, you know, when we had Jerry, I could go, you know, it was like, 
We had Brian Gamble in goal. Yeah. Uh, what was what a Clive, keeper Brian was. Oh, my goodness yeah, me. Super guy, super guy as well. There was Clive right back, me and Trevor in the middle, and Andy Leach left back. Yeah. I'm not, I hope they don't miss anybody out. But uh, yeah, over the years, you had things like Tommy Gomes. It was a little fella that uh, emigrated, but uh, what a good little footballer he was. You had Jerry Allen, Peter Ambler, Stevie Woodhams. Yeah. Um, oh, God, you know, I'm trying to remember them all now. Um, this is the trouble when you start mentioning yeah, names, you're going to forget some. Dale, yeah. Dale Walton was a slightly later one, but Dale was quality. Uh, Pippi Harris was another one. It came from, I think, Swindon. But, uh, oh, Jesus, who else was the... Going to say I'm missing players, and I do apologise if I no, play no this list and I'm missing names out. But we, we just got on so well. We got on yeah. so well, you know. It was... Uh, it was um, we battled for each other, supported each other. You know, we played some football decent football. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things that you look back and, uh, uh, you know, I've played, I mean, another guy as well. I played <coughs> Fabersham. I went back to Fabersham a second time. And um, I ended up playing centre-back with a guy called Nigel Williams, who lives in Fabersham. Nigel and I came across each other in youth games when we were 16. Nigel went to Wolves and played for Wolves. Well, then he, when he finished at Wolves, he went to Gillingham, played for Gillingham. Then he came back down, and he's one of those players that still played. So he came back down to Faversham, and he and I ended up being centre back partners. And uh, what what a pleasure to play with a guy like that! He oh, was, that was such, a, such a good talker and such a nice guy. And um, yeah, it, Current, you know, currently, you, uh, Martin, what um, what team do you look after at Whistle now? The reserves. I, I don't look. I mean, I helped jo Josh Algar, who was a brilliant coach, and um, he's with the Whitstable Academy and the other things he does. I mean, he, I was texting him tonight and he sort of saying, you know, he's a bit worn out. Well, he works such hours. I mean, I run no business, but he's just extraordinary hours and miles he puts in. I know he does. Um, so I, I'm there ready to help him out as a senior, senior, you know, another coach, uh, another pair of eyes another voice in the dressing room from perhaps a different angle yes so i think a lot of it down to attitude desire i mean it's a bit a bit like uh, roy Keane, really but attitude desire commitment goes yeah. a long way a long way and then, then you then your ability comes with it i mean i'd say back to tony cascarino again i mean the guy did wasn't blessed with uh, huge pace wasn't blessed with incredible ability on the ball but he had assets that he used really well and i guess the People that looked at him at Gillingham initially, um, they got him for a set of tracksuits. And when you think his career it took all those, all those uh, including 88 Republic of Ireland caps, yeah. they see something in there. Absolutely. But it, was, it might well have been the attitude as well, yeah. which, which is a big part of um, a player. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, you've got a, you've got a characters. I, I, I'm, not, I'm looking for characters, you know, that, that will stand up on the, on the, uh, the pitch and almost not not literally but punch their chest and come on let's go yes. uh, whereas a lot of the times it's a bit you know wishy-washy in a way really yeah i think that that's where they've got the mental toughness i suppose is another way as well yeah. you know when you can see things don't go for you you're going to really knuckle down and, and uh, you can change things around yeah you can Good change comment. things around okay. well it's been a fantastic chat this evening i've really really enjoyed it really been a pleasure time. thank you yeah no, i've really enjoyed it because uh as I said, when we very first started, I didn't know nothing about your journey. I knew you played for Whitstall, but uh, I didn't know, you know, how you got there, where you've been, and now where you've come to. I, I think, fantastic. I think, yeah, I think, um, I think I, I played 18 years uh, at, at that level, 
or various levels. Uh, I think over, over 700 of games I played. I say Whipsville kindly gave me and Trevor a testimonial and uh, uh, I was always grateful for that really, but they didn't, didn't need a dummy. It was just a pleasure playing for the club really because the club is such a family family orientated club, I think. And I think the plans that they've got at the moment with Steve, the, the chairman and uh, other things that are happening or going to happen that can transform that club. I, I can really see it, uh, you know, uh, growing from strength to strength. Whether uh, whether it'd be good enough to actually go up higher and higher in the leagues to to you know dizzy heights of like Conference South, that's thing. I don't know, but uh, you know they've got the right ideas, and I think and these uh, right sort of people. Um, even your good South Tone, you know, and there's there's uh, uh, like um, uh, Bernie Thompson. I mean, there's it, Bernie, I see Bernie around. He wrote a brilliant book, uh, which yeah, I was yeah. given a copy by um, uh, someone for a Christmas present a few years ago. And anybody that listened to this that uh, wants to know a bit more about Whitstable history, that is a book to read. I think uh, he's, he's I done think a he's, superb job on that. He has, hasn't he? I think he's doing a more up to date version as well. Is he? I think so. Yeah, I did talk to him about it, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, and I said to him about how well it had been received. I mean, I thought it was fantastic. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and then of course you got Dougie, Dougie Boss. He Dougie's been brilliant around the club as well. So it's been yeah, good. yeah, yeah, really yeah. Good. yeah. The, there's, the the club itself has been very lucky over the years to have such sort of the earth type of people really that that put the hours in, put the miles in, got the design and commitment again, um, and got the heart, best heart for the club. And Absolutely uh, have, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh well, we'll have to leave it there, Martin. So. Uh, from me here uh, on the other end of a Zoom call when, at Belmont Banter, uh, and Martin, uh, well, Martin, it's been a brilliant chat. I've really, really enjoyed it. So uh, what we'll do is we'll leave it there, ladies and gents, and uh, we'll catch you again soon. So from me and Martin, cheers. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Cheers, Mark. Thank you. Whitstable Town Football Club's main sponsor is Fibertech UK Limited. They are providers of optical fibre services to the telecoms industry, specialising in optical fibre provision, local and long haul. We offer a full turnkey solution to our clients throughout London and the south of England. Contact us through the website for more details. Your host, Tony Rouse, every week on Belmont Banter, for news about local football in Kent and beyond. I do hope that you've enjoyed today's episode of Belmont Banter. Don't forget there's a new episode out every week which comes out on a Sunday night, early Monday morning. And you can leave your suggestions for a guest to invite at the end. And leave a like and don't forget to pass it on to all your mates. Cheers.